This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. What is up, everybody? American Toffee Podcast. Alex and James joining you immediately following Everton's opening day nil-nil draw to Crystal Palace. I think a bit of a letdown by all accounts from all the buildup from the summer transfer window. Everyone really looking forward to the first match. Thought you know going away to Salhurst Park is never easy, but some of the issues that were apparent on the field were, and we'll discuss those in depth. But Alex, give me your immediate uh, post-match reaction. My immediate post-match reaction, I'm disappointed. Uh, I think I'm still anxious. I need to like, you know, detense my body a little bit. But otherwise, I'm just happy that Everton are back. I think we showed a lot of positives. And next week at home against Watford is another opportunity. Yeah, definitely. And I woke up this morning. It was like Christmas morning. I, I was I woke up at eight on the dot, caught the uh, second half of the Manchester City match as they throttled West Ham. Then the lineup came out and, and you nailed it in your prediction. I guess it was in some ways kind of predictable that the the signings wouldn't make it a debut in the starting lineup. But we started, of course, with Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, Bernard. And then in midfield, we had Gomez, Sigurdsson, and um, Morgan Schneiderlin. And then the back line was pretty nailed on from the get-go. So lineup came out and we were kind of feeling decent, all right. And then uh, obviously, Bame and Keane make the bench. Where were you leading up to the match? How were you feeling about the lineup and and just the before things kicked off, um, we knew Wilfred Zaha wouldn't start for Palace. So I was feeling very optimistic that we could get a result. Yeah, I felt optimistic. I mean, our squad last season, um, and, and that's what pretty much our starting lineup was, was very solid. If you think about it, we finished eighth, which was like one or two points off Wolves in seventh. But A, they got very lucky. I mean, you, you reversed the starting fixture of last season and we're already ahead of them and we finished seventh. Furthermore, think about all the points we shipped because of set piece issues, right? So, which we turned around, by the way, and, and, you know, kind of maybe in the springtime. So I felt good about it. I did not expect Keen or Bauman to uh, make the bench because, you know, Keen, obviously optimistic 19 year old, said in his first interview, yeah, of course I'm ready to go. Bauman, on the other hand, said specifically it's a stretch to see him get any minutes this weekend, but he said that it's more realistic to see him come on next weekend. Obviously, that's a, a pretty big point to make later on in the episode. But otherwise, I was excited about it. Um, and, and I thought in the first half, we looked solid. Yeah, we really did. Not a ton going forward as far as I thought we struggled at times to get our wingers involved. Bernard looked a little bit rusty to start some awkward touches. But um, really playing through the midfield seemed to be kind of the issue. It was very clear from the get-go that we were going to try to play down the flanks and specifically utilize Seamus Coleman and Luca Dean. If you watched any of Everton last season, that should come as no surprise whatsoever. But uh, Coleman really had an effective start, really found a lot of space because I think they were worried about uh, more more so Dean than Coleman getting forward, but both showed quite a bit of uh, liveliness and willingness to, to get up and down. Um, and then on top of that, I thought that the partnership of Michael Keane and uh, Yerry Mina was really solid and, of course, resulted in a clean sheet. Um, but we were we were clearly the better side for the first probably 35, 40 minutes. And then, um, it, it, of course, Andre Gomez goes out with what we hope is not a very serious injury. And we're forced to make a quick substitution. And uh, JPG makes his, makes his Everton debut kind of unexpectedly and probably not under ideal circumstances. Yeah, everything you said there was completely accurate. 
you know, the only, the only issue was really that Com- Dominic Calvert-Lewin and, and Sigurdsson were not very involved. But as you said, that's that's kind of been the story in terms of how Everton have played moving the ball on the flanks. In terms of the substitution, um, well, we're already we're already kind of light in midfield because Delph couldn't make the squad based on his injury uh, very early on last season, which saw Schneiderlin come on against Werder. I mean, excuse me, last weekend, which saw Schneiderlin come on against Werder Bremen in like the fourth minute. Now Gomez is hurt. And, you know, I even posted in the Discord that this obviously means Tom Davies comes on. And then obviously all of a sudden we see Bauman come in. And that just doesn't make sense to me. As I mentioned earlier, he said in his first interview he was not going to be ready. You know that he does not know his teammates. He doesn't know the system that he's supposed to be playing in. And furthermore, he doesn't know the league, the pace of the league, which which you know, which he demonstrated that um, by a handful of missteps. So I was just nervous and it's upsetting because now I think some of the fans are, are really going to give him a hard time or are already giving him a hard time for it when it's really not his fault at all, I don't think. Yeah, I, I'm. it's Everton Twitter, right? There's always going to be the people that overreact and it's frustrating given all of the positivity that's been floating around all preseason, all summer to immediately revert back to type and say that, you know, people want to write off Morgan Schneiderlin. I, I know you, Alex kind of felt he played better. I thought he was pretty okay at best um, through no fault of his own, really, because once Gomez goes off and you bring on Bauman, who's by all accounts, more of a, a defensively minded midfielder. So then you're sitting with two defensively minded midfielders in front of a stocky defense. And it really didn't give Sigurdsson any room to breathe. Um, he was very, he struggled to get the get into the game in, in, in any capacity for the most part, although he popped up here and there, and I think he ended up with three or four shots. So um, I actually probably had our best chances to score by far besides the Richarlison miss in the second half. But but just the profile of that midfield, once you swap out a, a, more, a, a player like Gomez, who's more inclined to bring the ball forward and bring it out for a player in Bauman, who's probably not, it limits us what we're able to do offensively. And I think that that was pretty clear from from most of, if not all of the second half. Right. If you look back to two seasons ago when our starting uh, midfield was Ghana, Schneiderlin, and Sigurdsson, um, very service, serviceable midfield by all accounts. But the biggest gripe there was the fact that with Schneiderlin and Ghana, you did not have a pair in which you could break down oppositions such as Crystal Palace that are going to sit in with all 11 players behind the ball most of the time, and they're going to be very organized and compact in the back. And so, as you just said, you bring on Bauman instead of Tom Davies. Um, I thought actually, on a very positive note, I liked his link-up play moving forward, and you can definitely tell that for a defensive midfielder, which he surely is, he is more forward-thinking than a lot of others. However, you could tell he was uh, moving quite sluggishly because he's not fit at all, and you could also tell that he uh, was not up to the pace of the match based on the fact that he got dispossessed a handful of times. Yeah, back-to-back times he received the ball and was immediately run up from behind and was dispossessed. Um, and I think you nailed it. Just not quite up to the pace of the league. And I'm, I think probably he was a bit surprised. Of course, as a professional, you want to always be prepared when you're called upon. But I, I don't really think that he was expecting to have to come on, especially so early, you know, in the first half even um, with with the injury to Gomez. So it was it was not an ideal uh, not ideal conditions for him to make his debut, but but I did think that there were some glimpses of some really promising attributes for him. Um, his size, for one, he looks a really imposing figure. Um, his physicality is kind of up in the air again. That's going to take time to adapt. But um, 
kind of to just go on a little bit of a tangent here. I thought that especially in the first half where Charleston was very limited in his involvement. Um, Bernard got a lot of the ball, but, but again, seemed kind of to struggle to, to create anything to create space. Um, but the link up between him and Luca Dean looks to be a really encouraging, uh, again, to have another season to build upon that relationship and understanding with each other. I, I think that could be a strong, uh, a strong relationship down the left-hand flank. It is. And you know, with, with your points, right? Like, we already talked about Sigurdsson and the fact that he really struggled to make an impact on the game. Although, of course, he had some of the best chances to score. Uh, Bernard, not really any in product, but that's usually hit or miss unless you're uh, Raheem Sterling, apparently, on the first day of the season. Richarlison, again, kind of same as Sigurdsson, didn't really get in the match. However, he had a couple chances, and you know that he's the type of player that can create anything. Where I'm going with this is we are going to have Alex Awobi now starting to work towards fitness and embedding himself into the system. Alex Awobi, Marcus Silva said specifically that he is looking to play him on the left-hand side. So in that instance, I think he challenges Bernard a whole lot more than Adam Ola-Lookman was last season, which I, is probably apparent. Um, and furthermore, I'm pretty sure from what I understand, Alex Awobi is actually most comfortable at attacking midfield in the center of the pitch. And so in both instances, he could have actually came on for Sigurdsson or Bernard. And so that's something I'm really looking forward to seeing over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, me as well. And in, in the competition, and actually as much as the NBC sports announcers get grief from us and from a lot of different parties, um, they did highlight the competition that we have in a lot of different positions all over the field. And again, mentioned the Marco Silva comments, and that's exactly what he wants. And of course, that depth now immediately called into question with Gomez out, hopefully not a long-term injury. Delph, we don't really know a lot of details about what's going on with him, but obviously not fit to make the squad today. And so with those two players out, Morgan Schneiderlin now suspended, it immediately puts some pressure on the rest of the midfield, or I guess you could frame it as an opportunity for some of the other players like Davies, like potentially a Wobie to come in at a 10. Um, and Sigurdsson, after his performance today, I think he, he he needs to have that p- player behind him to push him into to upping his game a little bit. Um, we know that in stretches last season, he was inconsistent, but what he offers is in one single moment, he can completely change a game, whether it be with a clever flick on with a pass or even just like a worldly goal from 30 yards out. And so I don't think, I think sometimes he might have an off game, but then I don't know if that's an indicator of a bad run of form necessarily because of the way that he kind of occupies those, those special moments um, that you can't really write off. Yeah, you know, I just, I could talk for 15 minutes alone as to why I don't understand how the Everton fan base never really seemed to, as a whole, get behind Gilfie Sigurdsson since we've signed him. Um, but I also think it's important to take it into context because when you're playing against a side like Palace, or maybe even another good example would be Burnley, uh, when they're going to sit deep and they're going to sit compact, Obviously, he's not going to be as involved because of the fact that Marco Silva makes him play almost as a uh, a second striker, and he's not going to have the space to do a whole lot. That's just a fact. So he's told to play in a certain position. He's got four players around him, four opposition players around him. That's just the fact of the matter. So I think that's an important piece of context. However, it is going to be very good to see you know, him feel as though he's going to have to be pushed a little bit more. And, you know, as you mentioned, Tom Davies is really going to have to take, I think, next week and maybe the week after uh, by the scruff of the neck because, you know, I don't want to see him end up 
moving on because he, you know, felt like or he couldn't break into the team and have have a have a very huge effect on on performances as a whole after now I think three years in the first team. Yeah, I, I am still optimistic that Tom Davies has a role to play and, and we said it already, but him coming on for Gomez, I think would have been a smarter substitution because what like we already touched on, Bauman doesn't really offer that link up play. And I think Gilfie really needs that more true central midfielder that's going to link up play more effectively so he can get involved when we're playing from the back. Like if, if Coleman or Dean is in a good position, slightly past the opposition's midfield line, and we don't have any way to play through centrally, we're looking to constantly play down the flanks. What about a little in pass to someone like Davies who can then look centrally? And, and one other thing I noticed today was that we looked more content with just having possession and not so much purposeful possession. There were times when Gomez, when he was on, received the ball back to goal and just would lay it off to either Schneiderlin um, or even back to Michael Keener, Yeri Mina. And when he, when he had space behind him to turn an attack, and though the, the tempo, I think we kept it up really well for large stretches of the game until we went down to 10 men. Um, we weren't We didn't quite have that aggression where we really wanted to just punish Palace for their strategy of sitting back. We didn't really take the game to them, I don't think. We let them kind of come out um, and get comfortable. And then they really, they created some decent opportunities themselves, even without Wilfred Zaha. So that was concerning. Jordan Ayu um, had some really nice runs um, and, and they created some problems for us wide. And I think that touches on the the very clear and apparent lack of pace on our back line. So I actually thought that Pickford, as well as all four of our back do- back line, did a very good job today. Um, those five, in my opinion, get the highest scores across the team. However, you know, specifically on our right hand side, Palace's left when attacking, when they created the majority of their chances from that side, what stood out to me was we were not having our central midfield cover wing because Coleman was always, as you said earlier, at the center line because we're always shifting the ball and switching play out that way. And that's due to the fact that Bauman did not know the system. He's playing next to Schneiderlin, and they were both in multiple instances actually very central and very close to each other when Palace broke and got the ball and then sent it wide on that right-hand side. And so it wasn't it wasn't really a, a a factor of Coleman being lazy or out of position. And it wasn't a factor of, you know, Michael Keane having any issue whatsoever. It was just miscommunication, I, I think. Um, but again, a whole new week comes with training. Uh, I think that I think that we will be pleasantly surprised with how we turn out uh, next week at home against Watford. Now, you know, we covered the back line, Pickford, obviously, no, no faults there, midfield extensively, and we talked about our wingers and kind of competition there. One thing we haven't talked about, James, is our forwards. So Dominic Calvert-Lewin, how do you think he performed today? I think he did. He had a very Dominic Calvert-Lewin, a DCL special for, for the most part. I mean, he actually, in the first half, kind of struggled to get involved, Had had was Present in the box for a lot of different crosses. I think Palace, for the most part, defended very well. Um, but but he was getting himself into good areas. But then when we're not inside the 18-yard box, um, his hold-up play was, as always, very good. We know that's probably the strongest facet of his game at this time. Um, in doing that against a side like Palace, not quite as necessary because they weren't even really looking to possess too much. And the wind, we haven't talked about the wind, and I know it's kind of reminiscent of a certain manager across the park, but 
the wind really clearly from the first whistle was a major, major contributor to some of the, I think, miscues and a little bit of the the disruptions in the match. Um, a lot of long passes. Really, We really had to focus on keeping it on the floor, not able to really switch play in the air. And I think you know that is a lot of what Dominic Calvert-Lewin does well is bring balls down from the air, hold up. And I think, you know, when when you rely on someone like him to keep the ball low and maybe link up, um, that's probably not his strongest area. Um, but but then in the second half before he was substituted, I actually thought he had a nice little half, showed some nice intent with some of his dribbles and uh, linked things up pretty well. What, what, what did you make of DCL's performance? Yeah, I thought it was fine. First half, um, I don't know that it was really his fault that he wasn't as involved. I just think that was a factor of the team getting used to the weather conditions and you know, you have to feel out your opposition and how they're going to set up and how they react to different movements. So I, I don't really think that was his issue per se, specifically because, you know, Sigurdsson is, is playing so close to him for the sole reason of, of being able to link up play to him. However, in the second half, he did well. And I was actually really, really surprised to see that Moyes Keane came on in place of Dominic Calvert-Lewin because I thought that although maybe he's not going to look like a goal threat, uh, he's going to be there for ball retention in the opposition's half of the pitch, which is going to be important when you're trying to score a goal. And and when you're looking at a person like Bernard, who you know is never really going to be a goal threat, that could have been a better option. But uh, overall, I, I don't know that that I can complain either way. I was really excited to see Keen come on, and he had silky technique. His dribbling was was fantastic to see. And I'm really excited to see some more of him, hopefully soon. Yeah, Moise Keane, obviously, I, th- I think he's nailed on to be our starter within a month at the latest. Um, his technique, he really wasn't involved very much because, of course, when he came on, we were down to 10 men. Um, and and we haven't even really talked about the Schneiderlin red, but it was a bit harsh. I think the first challenge that led to him getting a yellow, his overreaction, the emotion that got to him uh, really is what resulted in the yellow card. So he was kind of a, a bit off that flying off the handle. And I probably think we could have done with substituting him a bit earlier because I think he looked like he was poised to get a second yellow for quite a while. Um, but, but back to keen. Yeah. He really did have in his very limited involvement. I liked what I saw. Um, he doesn't offer the the presence in the air that Calvert Lewin does. And in, inside like against crystal palace, I think probably if he had come on for maybe an hour, he would have had some really nice opportunities to link up on the floor and play through um, I already like some of the runs that he was making. Richarlison almost found him through, played it a little bit heavy. But um, first impressions are very positive, and I think, of course, only going to get better as he integrates himself further with the side. All right, James. So I got one more question for you, and, and this will most likely be talked about a little bit more um, in a couple days when we do our Watford pre-match, but or preview, excuse me. But do you think it would be smarter to play Richarlison on the left-hand side? and Bernard or whoever on the right-hand side because Richarlison is much more of a of an execution-type player. He, he wants to get into the box, and he wants to shoot on his right foot. You know, Marco Silva prefers players, his wingers specifically playing inverted because he likes his overlapping fullbacks. So what is your stance on that? I think right now when you look at our positions on the wing, we still didn't really even bring in a true right winger. We've got Alex Awobi, who, depending on who you ask, is either a left winger or a set or a number 10. We've got Bernard, who I, I I mean, at times the players were switching wings again, or or I guess Bernard and Richarlison would would come over to one side and try to overload. But 
I still think that Richarlison is probably our most versatile attacker in that he can play across all three positions and do so very well. And so while I don't think that that's the, a, a bad idea, I still think that he offers more on the right than a player like Bernard would um, due to his his versatility uh, up front because really what you get with Richarlison is he finds himself in good areas and he can kind of score from across the front three. Um, Bernard obviously not really scoring all that much. And so I don't discount that idea and I think we will see it at times, but I still think that just by default, Richarlison slots into that attacking right role better than than what else are other options uh certainly better than theo walcott okay i feel that i feel that i think sometimes it's it can be smart in theory to play to your biggest strengths as opposed to maybe uh maybe improve your your biggest weakness don't take that out of context in terms of transfers because that would sound extremely ignorant (laughs) otherwise but to wrap things up james so how excited are you now that we've seen you know the the team come out for the first match we've seen the result nil nil how excited are you for the season how optimistic are you feeling it feels really good to be back um it really does not the greatest result i certainly would have felt better had we slaughtered them three four nil put a few goals in the net but i really think that that the clean sheet was a really the biggest positive to take away from the whole day the defense looked pretty resolute despite some maybe questionable uh defending on some set pieces hopefully We've got that sorted and won't become a recurring theme like it was the beginning of last year. But yeah, I mean, I'm really, I'm feeling really good. Um, assuming that the Andre Gomez injury isn't too serious, because without him, if he's sidelined for any long stretch, that's going to be hugely detrimental to what we're trying to do. But overall, I feel good. Uh, a point is a point. That's all you can really ask for. I mean, I think we, I think the announcer said we've drawn now like five of the six last opening days. And so overall, I still feel very good about our prospects this season, and and I'm not writing anything off after just one match. Got to agree with you. I'm super excited about it. It's a little disappointing, but nonetheless, I think, as always, another week means that we have another performance to build off of. And knowing the squad, they'll be talking, they'll be working hard, Marco Silva will get them straight, and we'll be ready to go next week. Look out for our Watford preview. As mentioned, um, I'm thinking Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. Otherwise, if you haven't already, join our Discord and our Fantasy Premier League group. Uh, we'll have the description, or we'll have the links in the description on the episode, as well as you can just check our pin, check our pin tweet on Twitter. We look forward to you joining us. Uh, I look forward to beating you in the Fantasy Premier League, James, as well as every, everyone else. After my uh, Raheem Sterling hat trick and and uh, a Pickford clean sheet today. Just to say, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I started Fabianski end goal so this is my maiden voyage (laughs) in the fantasy world so uh, i'm off to a flying start so if you want to come in and kick my butt please do otherwise until next time have a fantastic weekend and up the toffee thanks for tuning into the american toffee podcast be sure to follow us on twitter at usa toffee pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and everton news and we'll see you guys next time